Welcome back, folks, to the Wagme Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Garini, joined by my co-host, Nick Musto. Nick, happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Great Tuesday. I'm glad to be back in the office, you know, coming off my five-game win streak. Yeah, you, start. you were in the cellar with me at 0-2. Um, I'm at three and four. My team's scrapping. Uh, we're, we're different breeds. Your team's definitely a contender. My team's pretending right now. Um, so we're going to have to work out a deal and get me up there with you. But yeah, kudos to you. You've really turned around your season. You're tied third in your side of the, of the league in your division. Like it's not out of the realm of possibility whatsoever for you, but for other people, like Tyler and Alex, it's not it's not looking like they have that kind of upside. Yeah, I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to try and sell my team as a as a contender right now. We got work to do, but hey, we're going to do that work. Um, so you know, week eight, where the NFL season has gone like that with a snap of the fingers. I can't believe we're already getting into November right now. We're halfway. It's ridiculous. I got like felt a little bit sad today because I was like, fantasy is is almost over. Regular season's literally halfway over. Uh, yeah. Playoffs typically start around week 14, 15. So, yeah, uh, the our demise to the season's coming. Uh, but you can finish that stronger by subscribing to our newsletter, Winning with Wagme at wagmefantasy.com and connecting with us on our socials at wagmefantasy. Uh, pretty much all platforms. Um, now that we got those cheesy intros out of the way, let's get into our stardom sitems and our buy low sell highs and a little smoke and fire at the end. Um, it's just you and I, so let's rattle these babies off. Yeah, my uh, QB start of the week. Well, a start of the week. I wouldn't say he's my start of the week. We'll release that later. Um, is Kirk Cousins. He's playing Arizona this week. Who doesn't love Kirk Cousins at 1 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon? That is essentially Tom Brady times Aaron Rodgers, plus a little bit of Joe Montana sprinkled in there. Like, it's ridiculous how good he is at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. And no other time he, can, uh, he can't put together any decent performance at any other time on the slate. Um, but the Cardinals' defense hasn't been great. Um, they allowed four touchdowns to Andy Dalton. And the Saints last week, Kirk Cousins is going to benefit from this just struggling group on defense. And I think he puts together a very solid performance and can fill in for that Patty Mahomes buy if you're in that situation. See, I agreed with you with the Brady and Rodgers, but then the Joe Montana seemed a bit hyperbolic there. Okay. Um, okay. It, it, it is Kirk Cousins, and he's a master at one o'clock. I, I love it. I'm all for it. He's at home. Arizona secondary is poor. My start of the week, I'm going to stay in, well, my stardom for the quarterback position. I'm staying in the NFC North. I'm going Jared Goff. He gets the Miami Dolphins at home. Uh, the Dolphins have allowed the six most passing yards this year. Fifth friendliest matchup for quarterbacks in fantasy football. Goff's had two poor, just more than poor, abysmal road performances this year. His three best games have come at home. They're back at Ford Field. If you need a starting quarterback, if you're missing Patty or Justin Herbert, go with Jared Goff. He's going to be a solid option this week. Does that change at all if Amon Ra's out with his concussion? 
I I don't think it really applies. I think Miami's second, obviously it helps, but Miami's secondary is terrible. He's played without Amon Ra prior um, to this past week. And no, I'm I'm rolling with Jared Goff regardless. Yeah, the in one game without Amon Ra, we saw Hawkinson go for 40 points and Jared Goff had a great day. So yeah, I agree. I think that the matchup is appealing. Um, I, and and Kenny Pickett would have had a big game against the um, the Dolphins this week if he could have turned those interceptions in the red zone to touchdowns. Um, but that's those are rookie mistakes. I'm not going to get started on Steelers. Um, but same matchup, Raheem Mostert against Detroit on the other side of the ball. Mostert's had a, had two great weeks um, over the last two weeks. Twenty points against the Steelers, five targets. Um, so he saw work in the receiving game. He had 70-plus rushing yards, touchdown. It was a receiving touchdown as well. Um, this Lions defense is just awful. Zeke Elliott just scored two touchdowns on them. In a weird game, that was a very weird game from the Cowboys. Amon Ra out early. Lions couldn't get anything going. They just ran the ball down their throats the rest of the game. Um, and I would expect the Dolphins to be able to do the same, get off to a quick lead and have Mostert just feast the rest of the game. Chase Edmonds is a non-factor. Yeah, Detroit is giving up over 160 rushing yards per game, um, 5.3 yards per carry, 12 rushing touchdowns. Terrible matchup, and Mostert looked excellent last week. Uh, There's nothing short of it. He was just consistently ripping off great chunks. Uh, So, yeah, he's in my lineup for week eight. And another guy in my lineup is Tony Pollard. He gets the Chicago Bears at home. Chicago's allowing the most rushing yards in the league, 10 rushing touchdowns through seven games, six most fantasy points, two running backs. And uh, the most significant thing I want to point out with Dallas's backfield is Tony Pollard actually gripped the majority of the snaps this past week. He played in 65% of snaps to Zeke's 49%. He had 109 scrimmage yards just off of a mere 14 touches. One of the best backs when the ball is in his hands. Roll with Tony Pollard this week. And Zeke is dealing with a knee contusion. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's very interesting attention to. Um, if he misses any sort of time, Tony Pollard is he's a top-tier fantasy option for any, any games that Zeke is absent. Absolutely. Uh, or, or even limited in some fashion. I think that his his uh, value goes through the roof perhaps that played into the snap count uh this is the first time that tony pollard gained the majority maybe that's that explains why yeah uh zeke left the game for i think maybe a drive or at least a few plays i i don't know the i didn't watch the game um but i just saw it on a on an update um came back in on that drive that he went out and scored a touchdown but it was from the one yard line. So they gave it to him on the one. It didn't, if it wasn't enough to keep him out of the game for a touchdown in what wasn't a very close game. Um, but still definitely something to pay attention to. Who knows? It could get worse in practice off of a tweak or something like that. A wide receiver. You have a note about this secondary and how they uh, play opponents. Who's your start of the week at wide receiver? Yep. Devonte Smith. Um, he, play, he, go, he plays Pittsburgh this week. Pittsburgh has been good against number one receivers throughout the season. Um, for example, what they did to Tyreek Hill, shut him down. Jalen Waddell ended up having a big game because they aren't good enough to defend everyone. 
um, even though they dropped four easy interceptions. But again, I I can't talk about Steelers matchups, man. I'm sorry. Um, so Devontae Smith in the last five weeks has has um, had one week under 15 points. I think it was 15, 15, 18, and 30, and then like an eight-point week. Wow. But those are fantastic numbers for a wide receiver, two on an offense, who I think will outperform his counterpart, A.J. Brown, this week. I, I really think that he's a very good flex play because that's probably where you drafted him to be. I would definitely be starting him over guys like like a Christian Kirk um, who plays um, Denver's fantastic secondary. Guys in that range, I would definitely be starting Smith over. I'm all for it. Uh, Pittsburgh has been one of the worst defenses against wide receivers in fantasy this year. Smitty's had his games, uh, interstate game. I, I like it. Another guy I like at the wide receiver position is no other than DJ Moore. He finally showed up in the first game without post Robbie Anderson and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, DJ Moore pretty much had a monopoly on the offense this week. He saw 10 targets thrown his way. Caught seven of them, solid 69 yards and a touchdown from those opportunities. His, that's exactly the name of his fantasy value is just opportunities. He has a massive target share at this point. He's going against the worst pass defense in Atlanta in week eight. Look for another big day from DJ Moore. Um, I like it uh, based on matchup, but I will talk more about DJ Moore later. I, I have him in a in another segment. So I'm not going to say much right now. Um, I'm just going to move right to my tight end start. And that is Greg Dulcich against Jacksonville, not good against tight ends so far through the first half of the season. And in Dulcich's first game back, uh, not first game back, first game in general, um, played great. Looked like he had a connection with Russell Wilson, caught a deep touchdown pass. Um, he offers what is another deep threat for Russell Wilson. And we know that he likes to throw downfield. Wilson's yardage stats so far have not been bad. He can't score touchdowns just like Tom Brady. Um, but it seems like Wilson's getting way more hate for those reasons. I think because he had the big trade and he's uh, not 35 or 45. Um, there's also talks about a Jerry Judy trade. There's a lot of teams hunting him very heavily. Um, the Broncos haven't given into anything yet. I think they want a nice haul for him. But if that's the case, Dulcich will be fantastic rest of season. Where do you think Jerry Judy could fit in well if he was to move before the trade deadline? Um, I think really any team that needs a receiver, I think that he could possibly go to the Panthers. I think and they just collected a ton of picks, so they might be looking to shop someone in free agency or not free agency um, before the trade deadline. I think he could go to the Packers. I think um, Claypool would also look good on the Packers. It just there's there are teams out there that need receivers. Even the Rams need a second receiver because Allen Robinson is not cutting it whatsoever. The Cardinals just lost Marquise Brown. There's a bunch of options out there that could be vying for Jerry Judy. Oh man, I I hope something shakes up um, with Claypool or Jerry Judy because both are in immense immensely talented receivers, young receivers, uh, I'd like them to get a better opportunity than where they're at right now. Uh, but back to the tight end position for this week, my start is Irv Smith going against the Arizona Cardinals. 
Look, Ir- Irv's caught two re- two or uh, four receptions in two straight weeks. It, Arizona's given up the second most fantasy points to tight ends this year. I, I just think he's got a high probability of finding the end zone any given week, let alone this week with a good matchup. You mentioned the Kirk Cousins 1 p.m. Sunday afternoon games at home earlier. I think that stigma carries through the entire Minnesota offense. I, I think Irv Smith will either find the end zone, get 50-plus receiving yards, or both. Why not start him in a down week for tight ends? Right, I agree. And the best player in that secondary, Byron Murphy, will be on Justin Jefferson the entire game. So it's going to open up things for guys like Thielen, Osborne, and Irv Smith. I really like it. Probably a waiver wire ad. I know he's on waivers in our league, and I've been considering putting in a claim for him. Um, I think it's a great pick this week. I think it's time for our sits. Yeah, this one. uh, You're going to see a theme with our (laughs) answers here, but I'll let you kick things off, Nick. Um, so I think the, I think I know the theme. I think it's anyone that plays the Buffalo Bills this week. Um, Aaron Rodgers is my QB sit this week. The Bills are just fantastic on defense, and Rodgers has been struggling to put up fantasy points against the likes of the Jets, the Giants, and the Commanders in the last three weeks. Find another option. Start Daniel Jones, who just ran for 100 yards and a touchdown. Like, there's better options on the waivers than Rodgers this week. He's just he has yet to exceed 17.1 points in any given game. He's just a, the definition of mediocre quarterback play. Doesn't look bad on the field, but he's capped to 250 yards and two touchdowns. That's his ceiling pretty much for this this year. My sit for this week at the quarterback position, it's none other than Trevor Lawrence. He's had three rushing touchdowns over the past 2 weeks. He has only one passing touchdown in the past three weeks. And this week he goes against a Denver secondary that's surrendering less than 200 passing yards per game through seven weeks. The Broncos have allowed just three passing touchdowns on the entire season, which is hard to imagine. I I just don't like Trevor Lawrence this week. You've been for the past two weeks. It looks like he's been churning out great results. But really, they're they're inflated because of those trips to the end zone through the ground. It's something you can't really count on. It's not his prototype. He's not a, an elite runner. I think his upside's very handicapped going against one of the best secondaries in the league. Yeah, I agree. Don't quote me, but I know two out of the three were from the one yard line. I think the third one is one was as well. Um, it's not like he's scampering for twenty yards and a touchdown, like on one carry like it's that's not it um so i agree definitely a bench against a great secondary in denver um i'm gonna move on to a guy who was just traded for my running back sit of the week james robinson um they play new england this week uh traded to the jets by the way sorry i should have mentioned that um they played new england this week he's filling in for uh, Brees Hall rest of season. I think that he will be the number one on this offense. He's a good running back. Um, and he had a great start to the season this year until Travis Etienne kind of took over. Um, never really see trades where like Etienne stock just boosted. And so did Robinson's in the same, like just out of him going to the jets, which is surprising, like a jets and a, a jet and a Jag both are now appealing. It's weird. Um, but Michael Carter will most likely maintain the lead back role this week. 
it's going to see a lot of receptions. I think they'll use James Robinson in. It's not like CMC where he can just go anywhere, go to the Niners and be used like 50-50 with the previous starter. James Robinson's not that guy. I think he will be eventually this season, but definitely not. It's not a good matchup either against New England this week. I actually just saw, I should probably mention to our listeners, I got a position as a writer with Rotoballer. I'll be creating content for them as well. And I just completed my first article for them. And it was, how does James Robinson impact the fantasy value of, of Travis Etienne himself and Michael Carter through this move? And yeah, it's definitely going to be a split backfield between Carter and James Robinson. Both are very similar running backs. They're, they're pretty complete backs. But Carter does have the edge through the air, I believe. He's caught 20 of 24 targets this year. James Robinson's a little thicker build at 220 pounds. He's probably going to be utilized between the tackles more often. I feel like his, I we're jumping the gun with his value um, automatically assuming that he's the starting running back for the jets. I don't think that's the case. I think it's going to be a relatively split backfield. Nonetheless, there's still going to be valuable flex appeals each week, depending on the matchup, but yeah, this isn't the week to start him. It's not the week to start AJ Dillon as well. We said it's the theme of this segment at Buffalo as if single digit scoring for six straight weeks wasn't enough to sit AJ Dillon. I believe this matchup is very convincing. Uh, The Bills are giving up 3.5 yards per carry this year and a league low 457 rushing yards. Just leave AJ Dillon on the bench until there's a really juicy matchup. He's just not getting it done this year. Yeah, I agree. Terrible matchup. And they just have not been using Dylan um, much, especially last week. And that's what they should be doing. Honestly, I get it. Like Matt LaFleur wants to employ a two back system based on both of their um, capabilities because they are different running backs. But it's just clear, clear that Aaron Jones is far superior to A.J. Dillon. And they learned that last week, like how many guys can run a wheel route and catch a toe tap touchdown in the end zone while being hit. Um, he's one of the back. He's a rare talent and he's averaging 1.6 more yards per carry than A.J. Dillon. He deserves Aaron Jones deserves his flowers. Uh, he definitely is more than worthy of that spotlight. I agree. Um, I'm going to move on to my receiver sit of the week. Deontay Johnson at Philadelphia. Another, I get another chance to talk about the Steelers. Awesome. Um, So it's still hard to see who Pickett's number one is. Um, If you want to look at targets, it is Deontay Johnson, but his depth of target is not good. George Pickens went six for six, 81 yards and a touchdown last week. I'd prefer that than Deontay Johnson catching like, shoot, I don't know, four, five of 12 targets for 53 yards. Like, I'm going to take the shot on the guys who have the end zone upside and the deep play upside in this offense because that's what you need out of here. And Deontay Johnson, until he proves that he can go downfield and catch a touchdown, like, he's got to be a bench, especially against Philadelphia, who's one – I think they're, like, the sixth best defense against receivers this season. Yeah, Deontay. Excuse me. Deontay Johnson has the mo or the fourth most targets in the league. Yeah, he's like the wide receiver 38 on the year. He's just <laughs> someone that you can't you can't 
put in your lineup right now. He's had five plus catches in all but one game this year. It sounds great and dandy, but when you're averaging less than nine yards per reception and have zero touchdowns seven weeks into the season, it's a no-go. And you're right. The Eagles are allowing less than 57% of passes to be completed against them. Leave Deontay on your bench. It's not the game to start him. I don't know which one is a game to start him, frankly. He's just got to, you know, I know it's not his role to play any sort of vertical game, especially when you have George Pickens and Chase Claypool to stretch a field. Uh, but he, he hasn't simply gotten freed at all. He, I think he has less than three plays over 20 yards on the whole year. Dude, the only route that they let Deontay Johnson run is down the outside of the field and he turns around right at the first down marker, and he catches the ball for 8 to 10 yards, and he falls immediately. There is no yak. It's it's just the same route every single time, those little hooks. Drive my my sit of the week at wide receiver is the exact, the polar opposite type of player uh, to Deontay Johnson. That's Gabriel Davis. He is home against Green Bay, so an, an, another guy in that matchup. But the Packers are allowing a league low 183 passing yards per game. Gabe Davis is averaging 2.8 catches per game. I don't count on the big play. Green Bay is not the defense to let up a 75-yard touchdown over the top. They have a very good secondary still. And I'm also not banking on Gabe Davis to all of a sudden be a chain mover and get six-plus catches in this matchup. You're really gambling on a huge play when you start Gabe Davis. Uh, and this is just not the week against Green Bay. Yeah, the secondary is very good, and I, since it's good, I expect a lot of it to go to Isaiah McKenzie and Stefan Diggs running short routes across the middle of the field just to slowly work their way down the field because the Packers don't give up those big plays that Davis, Davis feeds off of. We're going to make it four for four with the positions in this game. Who is your sit at tight end? Robert Tonyan at Buffalo continue with the trend. Um, we told you to start him last week. I'm sorry. Um, the matchup really was appealing, and Randall Cobb's absence made it even more appealing. But it didn't look good. He had four targets. He went three for 32. Um, it didn't kill you. Said, like, this is just a bad. Just don't do it. Find someone else. Pick up Irv Smith. Yeah, there's plenty of tight ends that have week-to-week appeal greater than Tanyan this week. Buffalo is just not the defense that allows anything easy, and Tanyan's simply going to have his work cut out for him. I'm going with the bigger-name tight end to sit this week. That's George Kittle. He's visiting the Los Angeles Rams this week. This is the second matchup between the two. Kittle in the first game had a mere two catches, 24 yards, less than five points. In fact, Zacherts is the only tight end to score more than five points against Los Angeles this year. They're just completely locking down the tight end position. Although Kittle has a hot hand over 180 yards and a touchdown between his last two weeks, I think he's going to cool off this week. Uh, History will repeat itself from a few weeks ago. Leave George Kittle on your bench if you can absolutely afford it. Yeah, I like it. Um, I did not know that stat about LA versus the tight end thus far. Um, that's crazy. Um, I do think that Kittle gets more than five points just because he is George Kittle, but don't expect anything big. Um, 
Are we ready to move on to our buy low, sell high section? I would love to see what you have to say about your buy low. Sure. Um, my buy low is Leonard Fournette. Um, I am a Leonard Fournette owner in the Wagging War Zone, the league that we often discuss. Um, he's coming off a terrible week. His lowest, his worst performance of the year. Um, he had the least targets of his season in this week against the Panthers. Um, and a lot of his managers may be in panic mode just because of how bad the offense looked in general. I don't expect this offense to look that bad rest of season. And I've been, we've been saying this for a while now, like we expect it to improve, but I'm not giving up hope. I still think it improves. And even when it's been bad, he's the RB six, like it's, he's fine. Um, averaging five catches per game, not targets catches throughout the first seven weeks. I'm really not concerned about Fournette, but some manager, lots of managers, maybe, and you might be able to, this is the cheapest you'll be able to get him rest of season. That's why I picked him. And he's a great player. So. Yeah. If you just cover, if you put your finger over week seven and it looks like, wow, this guy is a perennial weekend week out RB one, 22, 36, 18, 12, 9, 16 to, to rattle off all of his performances this year. Lenny's in a great situation in Tampa Bay. They are struggling as a unit. It's seeping into his value. But yeah, I think he's resilient enough to churn out a strong back half of the year. And yes, it's a perfect buy window after a down week. So very valid buy low. I'm not sure how many fantasy managers of Leonard Fournette are willing to let him go um, for cheaper than what is what an RB1 costs, but it's worth a try after a down week. And I'm going to do my first buy low. This is someone, another just all-star first top two round pick this year, Debo Samuel, after his season opener with Christian McCaffrey, things didn't go so peachy for Samuel. In fact, he had less than 10 points for the first time this year, saw seven targets, which ties the least on the year for him. But the big thing is he only had one rush, uh, one rush attempt in Christian McCaffrey's 49er debut. That's going to panic a lot of his owners because he loses that upside of his versatility He's only he's had less than 150 receiving yards in the past three weeks. After a couple down weeks, I expect Debo Samuel's value to be suppressed, especially when fantasy owners are contemplating just how does Christian McCaffrey affect the wide receiver one in, in San Francisco. And I still think Debo's talent, all it takes is one play for him to turn out a 25-point week. Uh, his upside's so immense that you have to capture right now it's not going to be any cheaper than this week. Yeah, uh, I don't think the CMC edition hurts Debo at all. Um, the only thing it might hurt is he gets one to two carries a game, which is what we've been seeing anyways the past couple of weeks. Um, what this will do is the defense will require to have – it'll the CMC trade will require the defenses to have a spy on CMC at all times because even in passing downs um, – he will work out of the backfield. So he will have someone watching him and this will open it up for Debo. Um, Debo had 1400 yards last year and he was considered a running back through the second half of the season. And that was with Jimmy G. Um, I'm really not concerned about Debo. I think if anything, this may help him. Um, we'll, we'll be able to tell in the coming weeks. Debo Samuel, real quick. 
he is being targeted on 30% of his routes ran ninth best in the league and second most yards after the catch still this year, still the same Debo go ahead and get him after off the discount rack. All right. So I don't have any notes down on this guy. Um, I'm going to throw in another buy low right now. Um, before I move on to my sell high is, is Jonathan Taylor a buy low? Yeah. I mean, he's been want him though is the question. He's been very quiet and I do want him, especially with Sam Ellinger taking over the starting role. It's just going to be like the epitome of Jonathan Taylor's last year and his entire career. Indianapolis has a really good offensive line. They're going to rely on him super heavily and he's only found the end zone once this year. He's the RB 32 after missing two weeks. And yeah, he's a, he's a perfect example of the first overall pick being cheap right now. Um, I agree. I think he's a buy low, but the O-line is not good. It's, it's really bad right now. Um, the first... Are they missing anybody? Uh, I think they are. I, I, to be honest, I don't pay that much attention to offensive lines, but it's terrible. Like Matt Ryan is one of the most sacked quarterbacks, if not the most sacked quarterback. No, Matt Stafford is, but Matt Ryan's up there. Um, it's been bad. And Jonathan Taylor's yards per carry hasn't been great throughout the season. He's had two games over five yards per carry. Wait, three. Okay, never mind. I'm wrong there. But one at two and one at three. Um, and those are off his typical 20 carries. He's getting two to three yards a carry in those games. Um, and those were against bad defenses. So I think that he is definitely a buy low. I think he improves. And I think you'll be able to get a lot of worried Jonathan Taylor owners because he missed two games and he hasn't been great. Um, so I think he's definitely a buy low right now. I agree. I feel like his owners could view Matt Ryan's departure as negative news as well. You know, oh, great. It's a new quarterback. They're not going to be um, a, a well-balanced attack. But Rest assured, if you're trying to trade for Jonathan Taylor, Matt Ryan has the most turnovers in the league out of anybody this year. It's simply going to equate to more possessions that are strictly in Jonathan Taylor's hands. I'm going to start sending trade offers for him after you mention his name. Uh, I already did, so that's why I asked. <laughs> in order well, to- <laughs> now, that, now that you did a second buy low, I'm going to just do my second buy low because originally... I said, screw a sell high. I want to do another buy low to talk about. That's Najee Harris. He's someone that I know I'm trying to sell you on Najee Harris right now, but his lackluster beginning to the season, it can be forgiven with a strong finish to the season. He's only averaging 3.3 yards per carry, 17 touches a game, 59 yards per game. Those are awful like metrics. So he's, he's been one of the most inefficient running backs when the ball is in his hands but his schedule does lighten up uh, as Kenny Pickett evolves into this offense and settles down they'll iron out their wrinkles Najee should be able to blossom into a solid fantasy option down the stretch and at this point it's like beating a dead horse with his value he's outside the top 25 running backs he is just been downright awful and inefficient I'm a Najee owner it's really frustrating to have your first round pick average less than 12 points per game, but here we are. Go ahead and try and trade him. It's a perfect buyer window. Uh, human psychology says his owner is ready to move on. So when you say buy low, what are you paying? I mean, 
I'm trying to pawn in my one league where I have Najee. I'm trying to pawn him off in a package to upgrade at wide receiver. But if I'm going to do a one-for-one swap, I believe I'd much rather have Ezekiel Elliott than him. I'd much rather have, oh, really, I'd try and get James Conner coming off an injury for Najee. Um, as poor of a trade as that sounds, I I think Najee Harris, uh, his value has been beaten down in the low-end RB2 range. I'm pretty sure you can offer something um, and still catch that high-end RB2 range for someone like Najee's name. Let me let me give a couple names real quick. All right. Um, Michael Carter. I am not going to sell Najee Harris for Michael Carter, and I don't think you could get Najee Harris for Michael Carter. Tony Pollard. That one's interesting. Um, I was almost going to throw his name into someone that I would consider. I would definitely consider it. Uh, Pollard's upside's just going to blow Najee out of the water. Uh, Miles Sanders and Raheem Mostert, the last two. I I value Mostert and Sanders more than Najee Harris, and I think you could probably get both uh, for Najee Harris in a one-on-one. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would definitely prefer both of them, which is weird because they were <laughs> five, six rounds. It, Mostert was undrafted in a lot of leagues. Um, I'm going to move on to my sell high. DJ Moore, we talked about him earlier. I didn't really weigh in on him. Um, this is your chance to sell high, man. Like, I get it. It can be appealing. Like, you're like, oh, finally, DJ Moore. He looks good. He's going to be okay. CMC's gone. Robbie Anderson's gone. There's no one else to throw the ball to other than him and Shai Smith. Um, but remember, those targets are coming from PJ Walker and Baker Mayfield. Like, it is not – they are not good targets. Um We've seen this in the past where he just volumes his way to some relevance uh, occasionally, but he's going to have tons of down weeks in a few weeks like this week. Um, this is the highest you'll be able to sell him the rest of the season, and I hate that I drafted him in a league. That's perfect. I'm a buyer of DJ Moore right now. He's the only receiver to have a 100% route participation, meaning every single pass play, he's out there on the field running a route. He's has a 28% target share. That's only going to continue to increase. Yeah. You mentioned his volume is going to be high and the play is going to be inconsistency, but if you're seeing 10 plus targets a game, you're going to find a way into my fantasy lineup more often than not. You're going to pay off. I agree. It's his best game of the year. It is time to sell high with the hopes that he's going to finish the season really strong. I think he's going to have a monstrous week against Atlanta this week. And maybe you wait a week to ship him off if he does so. But I'm pretty confident with DJ Moore going forward. If you wait a week. All right. So just think about this. You wait a week. He goes three for 32 against Atlanta. You cannot get for him. <laughs> I'm holding. I, yep, I'm holding my cards right there. Because if it, like people will be like, yep, it was a fluke. That 19 point week. It was an absolute fluke. And now you're stuck with DJ Moore for the rest of the season. Again, I, I think it's get out while you can. Okay, I'll buy from you. We'll we'll talk. We'll take this one off air. I think DJ Moore is a perfect acquisition to a playoff team right now. Should talk to Colin about that. Yep. Um, in his DMs, it's time for smoker fire. Yep. Uh, who's legit? Who's just a figment of our imagination right now? Who's your smoker fire this week? 
Brandon Ayuk, two weeks in a row with 11 targets, 82 yards in one, 83 yards in another, and two touchdowns in one of those weeks as well. Is a breakout happening in San Fran? He's been better than Debo. Um, two weeks. He's a wide receiver, 21 right now. He really, like, he's had three single-digit weeks, um, but the, they're not catastrophic. You know, seven points, eight points, nine points. And I don't know. I really don't with Brandon Ayuk. He, he was my smoker fire last week. I, I said smoke because, you know, you can't expect him to score two touchdowns every game and have 11 targets. But here we are. He played 94% of snaps. He had 11 targets. That's even with Christian McCaffrey and the offense. I'm going to say fire. Uh, and that's not saying that Ayuk is uh, even a wide receiver too. But if he's your wide receiver three moving forward, he's probably someone that you drafted as your wide receiver five. He's fire for where he's at right now. Um, 11 targets in two consecutive weeks. That's not going to happen every week. But I think he sees seven plus. Um, with Jimmy G, they have the rapport built. He's a good wide receiver. He's just in his third year. His athletic is all get out. Um, and another playmaker in Christian McCaffrey just opens the field up for him. Fire. Yeah, I agree. Fire. Um, he is a wide receiver too right now. Do I think he falls out of that range? Maybe. Yeah, maybe like wide receiver 30. Um, but I, th- I think th- I think wide receiver like 36 is his floor and i think wide receiver 15 is his ceiling it just depends on how things shake out with cmc i don't think he becomes irrelevant whatsoever um i i do think it's fire um to a degree okay so my smoker fire um this is a guy that i need help with simply trying to gauge for the rest of the year Ramondre stevenson he played 40 snaps to Damian Harris's nine last night on Monday night. He outtouched Harris 19 to four in that game. He's most significantly Ramondre Stevenson caught all eight targets for 59 yards. He also found the end zone on the ground. He was okay. So here's where I'm at with Ramondre Stevenson. He was the RB 27 in the first four weeks when Damian Harris was fully healthy. He's the RB two over the past three weeks with Damian Harris either playing sparsely or not at all because of injury. Let me just ask you this. This will decide smoke or fire. He's currently the RB8. Is Ramondre Stevenson a top 15 back when the season ends? No. No, I don't think so. I, I think it. they've shown in the past they like Damian Harris in the red zone, and I think that's really where the money will be made out of the New England backfield. Um it's hard. Harris was obviously limited. They did not want to give him too many touches in this week against the bears. Understandably. So he's been out for a few weeks. Um, I, I don't, I think once things shake out back to normal, they'll see similar touch, like similar volume, similar amount of snaps, but Harris will get the goal line work. And I think that's what takes Stevenson out of that top 15. That's what I see happening too. Um, it's going to go back to a 50-50-ish role. But if he's the receiving back in New England's offense, I don't know. I feel like he could have great standalone value and finish the season strong. Um, but he's certainly not going to handle 
19 touches, 23 touches, 27 touches, 18 touches, the amount of volume that he's seen with Damian Harris banged up or missing. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of stuck in between with Ramondre. I do think he falls out of the RB one chartered territory. Uh, however, I'm not too confident to say he's a, a fluky play for the rest of the year. I feel like he could be a solid RB two to finish the year. I think he's slightly above Tony Pollard week in, week out, rest of season, barring injuries. It's a good way to put it. Both are the change of pace backs. Yeah. Um, and Harris, Harris is a good running back. Like his uh, through four games this year, 5.3, 4.7, 3.7, and 4.7 yards per carry. Those are great numbers um, in what is a very good running attack. I would I would expect a split with Harris in the red zone. So I'm I'm gonna sell or say uh, sell. I'm gonna say smoke on that one, just personally. Let's wrap this episode up with the Wagme game of the week. Um, Wagme War Zone Week Eight. Holy shit, we're in Week Eight. Uh, two five and two teams. Two teams tied for first place in our league. This is Caleb Joy at Lobby Lob versus Ben Bowman. Uh, team fuck Ben. Not really. Uh, he's a good guy. Uh, but Ben Bowman at Ben Ben Bowman in our league. So Caleb's missing Patrick Mahomes. He's on a bye. Um, he doesn't really have a replacement on his bench. He's gonna have to be looking at our articles for streaming options. But he does have Jonathan Taylor. He has Devonte Smith, Mark Andrews, some good cornerstones this week in fantasy. Going up against Ben's team that has really been slaughtering through people. Joe Burrow's on fire. Damian Pierce, Alvin Kamara are both on fire. He has Iuke, um, and he also has Jalen Waddle playing for him. So who do you have, Nick? I'm going to go with Ben here. I think that it's a rough week for Caleb. Um, his RB2 is Eno Benjamin this week. And if James Conner's back, that's really bad. If he's not back, it's still not great. Uh, he's going to have to find a backup quarterback, whereas – it looks like Ben's going to have his full lineup. Swift may be back this week. Um, and even so, he has Damian Pierce, Alvin Kamara. His flex is covered with Waddle. He's got Judy. He, his team is better. I'm going with Ben. I really don't understand how Caleb's team is 5-2. and two. No. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, he's, he's middle of the pack scoring. I believe he has the fourth or fifth most points scored in our league. So it's like, he's no slouch. Even after losing Javante, I'm going with Ben as well. I think he's got a, a great team, some good matchups this upcoming week. He gets AJ Brown and hopefully Deandre Swift back in his lineup. I don't think he's performed to his highest capabilities. And this might be the week that we realize, Oh, he's a different uh, beast when it comes to the playoffs. So yeah, I, I'll ride with you on Ben's squad this week. There are a lot of similarities between my team and Ben's team. We each have a stud rookie running back, two very good RB1 and 2s that are veterans, and three good starting receivers with no tight end. Yeah, you guys are okay. You guys are okay. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say that. Um, nonetheless, I'm 3-4 and four playing the worst team in the league. I pray I can beat um, Tyler's team this week, uh, especially – with him, I don't know. His lineup His he, lineup's not bad. He's missing Austin Eckler and Juju That's... this week, so I'm hoping I can capitalize off that 
and get myself to that 500 mark, a place that I have not been yet this year. Uh, we're coming though. Team Juju, Joe. Juju looks good. Tyler's team really isn't bad. That trade that I get, I give him Juju, Mostert, and Duvernay for Fournette, and he needed depth badly. It's really, it didn't turn out to be a bad trade for him. No, not at all, especially if Mostert uh, continues to play with uh, with that anger in his legs, you know. I've got Woody this week. Yeah, Woody, Woody's That's tough. tough. Uh, Woody knows what he's doing. He knows how to play fantasy football. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> right, let's wrap this up. Thanks for listening, guys. Connect with us on our socials at Wagby Fantasy. Subscribe to the newsletter if you haven't already. Visit WagbyFantasy.com to do so. Nick, any closing remarks? Good luck on Sunday. Yes, yes. Good luck to all of you. We'll see you next week.